0: Today's reading comes from Matthew 14, verse 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. May God bless the reading of his Word.
1: Good morning. Welcome back. When the floodwaters began to rise in our Houston neighborhood last August, none of us were prepared for what would happen next. We were not prepared to pile children and pets into kayaks that we had bought for vacations. We were not prepared to look out on our flooded interstates weeks after the storm hit, wondering if people had drowned in their cars. We had no idea how bad it would smell. Unfortunately, Houston's a very hot place so it still smells really bad sometimes. And we didn't know how long the suffering would last. We didn't realize that even today, so many of the families that we know and love are still displaced from their homes. But we were also unprepared for the outpouring of love and of generosity that would come like waves of encouragement and of hope for us. I don't live in a community that takes handouts, right? I live in a community that prides itself, probably, on not taking handouts. We're very good at doing handouts. We're very good at um, sending out emails about how good we are at doing handouts and helping other people and being super benevolent. It's... Um, the dark side of suburbia. Um, But suddenly we were the community that needed handouts. And we needed really basic things for a long time after the storm. Um, Things like diapers and bottled water and bleach were like blessings from above for us. My bishop in Texas, a man named Andy Doyle, hiked back into my neighborhood when there was still like a foot of water at that point to bring my husband a generator. Andrea Zimmerman, wife of Aaron, organized groups from St. Albans in Waco, their church, to come and to muck out houses. I don't know if you all have ever mucked out a house before, but um, It reminds me a little bit of how I used to help my husband shovel snow. Like, I'd last for about 15 minutes, you know, and then I was like, you should do this. Um, So the fact that Andrea, week after week, Saturday after Saturday, would drive hours to Houston and do the pretty sad and really hard work of getting water and mud out of houses was remarkable. Mockingbird donated 125 copies of The Very Persistent Pirate to all of the first graders in my uh, my son's public school, because so many of the kids in our neighborhood lost their entire libraries in the storm. So they got a copy of The Very Persistent Pirate, which if you have not read it, is the story of the prodigal son um, with pirates. And um, as a result, I can be at the mall in Houston, I can be at you know, Target in Houston, and inevitably some little first grader will come up to me and say, you came and read to my class and gave me a book. Now these things happen in our lives and we often say, and newscasters will love to say, Aren't people wonderful? We'll watch, you know, the Today Show, and they'll say, aren't people great? People just really come together when things get hard, right? Well, I'm not going to say that. Because the next time you see a bombing or a shooting or a natural disaster on television and you see people coming together, I want you to remember that it is not people doing the helping. Because people are actually divided. And people are fallen and people are sinful. People are angry. When you see those things happening, either up close or on the television, I want you to know that it is the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. I wish that I had some answer for you as the chaplain to end with this morning as to how to avoid division in your lives. I wish I could tell you how to be nicer people, right? How to be more forgiving people. But all I have to offer you is suffering. Because suffering is actually what makes anger and division and self-righteousness fall away. Suffering strips the notions of who we think we are down to the bone, and it exposes us for who we really are. People who need a savior. The strange thing about the gospels is that Jesus almost exclusively speaks to suffering people. They're actually all suffering, it's just some of them know it, right? Prostitutes, blind people, almost dead people, dead people, children, women who need hysterectomies, hungry people, people who whine a lot, people who whine a lot even after Jesus has raised their brother from the dead, right? I see you, Martha, right? These are his suffering beloveds. This is his flock And his closest followers were especially good at suffering, out on a boat being tossed at sea, certain they will be left for dead. When Jesus calls out to Peter to walk across the water and Peter starts to sink, the whole thing should feel very familiar to us because we are sinking people, right? We are all too often drowning in our own identities, and our own righteous autonomy, right? We are all sinking in our own sin. Aren't we all sure that Jesus cannot possibly save us, that his grace cannot cover all of our sins, that our suffering is too great a burden for the savior of the world to bear? It is not in the fighting one another where we see Jesus. It is not in the condemning one another where we know his boundless grace. It is in suffering together. As we are, without some notion of who we should be, this is where we find him. This is where we know his mercy. Walking across the waters of our own flooded hearts and holding out his gracious hand to bring us safely home. Amen.